0: Alrighty, Hey, we are on the topic of assurance. How many of you guys learned how to spell that by now? Hey, praise God. What we're seeing in our topic there, if you want to do the quick, exciting recap on page 25, uh, as we always seem to do, uh, that the top assurance is that's what we open in prayer is God wants us to know, be assured, hence assurance, that we are saved and we're saved. We're going to get there. Okay, it's a complete salvation. Can anybody say praise God? This is awesome. You guys are getting better each week. You get an audience uh, participation. And the whole theme of this is, that, as we saw it, John said, I've written you these things, okay, that you may know that you have eternal life is the theme. And what we've been seeing is the Bible lets us know we have eternal life Three different ways. First of all, we saw, of course, it was the Bible. What a concept. You read it, and it's all over the place uh, that we have that. And where we left off last time was the issue of the Holy Spirit, okay? is there? And what we're going to see, Lord willing, tonight is the evidence of a transformed life is what's going on there. Now, where we left off with the Holy Spirit last time, we saw that the whole point is this. The Bible says that if you're a born-again Christian, at the moment you get saved, you are indwelt instantaneously. Praise God, it's a permanent indwelling, too. Okay, with the Holy Spirit, who is God. It is God's pledge, our bone, remember that in the Greek. It's his divine engagement ring that you're going to get there. And he doesn't renege, unlike us, on our promises, okay? He is uh, trustworthy and true, okay? And so the point is, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, if you have been made, as Paul says, the temple of the Holy Spirit, you are a Christian, you're going to get there. He's your deposit, your guarantee, okay? Okay? And so we saw, well, how do you know if that's true? Okay, the Bible says it is, but, you know, we saw before there's people who profess to know Christ all the time. But the Bible says, watch out, there's a bunch of phonies. There's wheats and there's tares. There's sheep and there's goats. There's a mixture of both. And it still goes on today. Unfortunately, so we saw some evidence. Well, how do you know that you are one of those people who have the Holy Spirit? Who's a born-again Christian and who is going to make it to heaven? That's what we saw with the witness of the Holy Spirit. We saw that he teaches and he guides us He's our comforter. He's our helper and he is our intercessor And if you don't have any of those interchanges going on, okay, as we saw many examples I gave last week if you were here Hey might be some signs something's not going right okay and we're going to continue on with that theme okay when it comes to the transformed life because here's the whole point with this transformed life you cannot be the same person okay uh if you're involved with the holy spirit he's called the holy spirit and so he starts to produce holiness in the life of the believer okay and that's going to start to show Okay, so the whole premise of the transformed life is not only your deposit your guarantee guaranteed that you can be assured of your salvation But over time and people grow at different rates. We'll see that lord willing Okay, but over time you're gonna see that that's what the holy spirit's doing It's gonna begin to show on the outside and again once you see that it's like wow Something's going on on the inside and you're gonna have a new attitude towards sin You're gonna have a new attitude towards god. You're gonna have a new attitude towards other people Okay, why? Because you're in dwell with the Holy Spirit, and that's where we left off last time. Uh, actually, there in the middle of the page, page thirty says this: "The Holy Spirit perfectly is your next blank." For those besides Tom who are hooked on blanks, and Jenna too. That's right. Okay, uh, perfectly intercedes for us since we do not know how to pray the perfect will of God in our lives. Okay, and we saw examples of that. Remember, as I shared with you guys last time, uh, you know if you're praying, and all of a sudden, bang! All of a sudden, just the Spirit of God comes on you. I'm not saying you get all weird and roll around or anything i'm just saying he he comes and he begins to you really just you're some have you ever begin to pray and just out of the blue not only for somebody else but you really begin to weep where do you think that comes from okay it wasn't from the cheerios if it is put the box down something's going on but no seriously okay uh it's from the holy spirit okay he's interceding he's God. he's using you okay because he knows how to pray obviously he's god the perfect will of god that's what he says noah webster defines intercession as quote prayer to one party in favor of another Thus, an intercessor is a go-between, or one who speaks on behalf of another. The Spirit knows his own mind, i.e. God. He knows our hearts, and he knows the will of God. So he is the perfect intercessor, and that's what he does. Now, this is where we're at with the evidence of a transformed spirit, the uh, life. The third witness to assure us of our salvation is the witness of a transformed life. Now, when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, he creates in us a new nature. Is your next two blanks there? A new nature or a new man, okay, or woe man, okay, if you want to be politically correct, okay, a new nature or a new man, okay, and you all know that that's exactly where that term came from because when God let uh, Eve down the Garden of Eden, uh, that was the first thing out of uh, Adam's mouth, right, Whoa man, and so it was stuck ever since, and ladies, that's what you got, ha, 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 that's your first joke for tonight, maybe you'll be the last, I seriously doubt, maybe you should intercede, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the right words, to shut me up, with. just stick to the text, but, uh, May not work. But anyway, that's right. Hey, let's just continue on. We've got a lot to cover. And I'm hoping to actually finish. But anyway, so it's a new nature. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time. That's why I actually did some pre-drawing. That's right. Those, those classes with Skippy, the turtle you had to draw, and all, starting to really pay off. Okay. But anyways, you can see that. Uh, uh, this, I want to talk about, this is what happens before and after salvation. Okay. Because remember, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, God makes us his temple, and you need to understand this, because when you understand this, you're going to see you cannot be the same. Now, remember, the whole theme of this isn't just some neat theological treaties, okay? It's you need to have this dynamic taking place in order to be a Christian, because if you're a Christian, you're in the Holy Spirit. If you're in the Holy Spirit, then you're saved, okay? So here's the point. Now, when, uh, this is basically Adam and Eve at the beginning, okay? And uh, and it, uh, the Bible says that man is a tripart being: spirit, soul, and body. Now, your soul, of course, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, and uh, we were given a spirit nature, unlike the plants, unlike the trees. Okay, unlike animals. Okay, evolution would say that we're just the same, etc. Hinduism would say we're all part of the God force, except No. Mankind alone is special to God because we were created in his image, spiritually and morally. Why? Because a spirit, God, John 4 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So you have to have a spirit nature in order to commune with God. Who is spirit? Common sense, right? So dogs don't have a spirit. Okay, plants don't have a spirit. Dogs, I would say, have a soul, a mind, and a will, and emotions. Okay, how many guys can verify that? If your dog gets in trouble, they know it's in trouble, and they, all right. Okay, but unfortunately, you know, dogs, Jesus didn't die for dogs and animals and whatever, but I'm not going to get into that giant question. That's a popular question. Uh, God, if he wants animals in heaven, if he wants former pets in heaven, I'm sure he could do whatever he wants to do, but that's not what we're here uh, to talk tonight. But Jesus died for people. Why? Because we were created in the image of God. All right, now, so we have a spirit. That's what, that's what connects us, gives us the ability to have a relationship, to commune with God. That's how we were originally created. A soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, that's just kind of us. That's our personality. And then a body. And a body is basically what we need to uh, traverse between two realms, okay? The, the spirit realm and the material realm here on earth, okay? And a body is what houses your spirit and your soul. Make sense? Here's what happened. That's how mankind is made up. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, okay, okay it messed up the spirit, Okay? And uh, it became, uh, if you will, deformed, cracked, however you want to uh, say it. Okay? And so we were cut off from God, okay? separated from God. Okay? Now, here's the problem. It's the Spirit of God, as he begins to move into our soul, that begins to lead us and guide us in things that are right. Adam and Eve ch- uh, chose to sin, okay? and uh, this is after the fall. Okay? And they chose to sin. Now, they lost this input factor, if you will. Okay? So the only impact factor that they got is from the body, but the body now, that, thanks to Adam and Eve has now inherited a sin nature. Now, the sin nature, we're going to see a little bit even more this week with the fall of Satan uh, in Sunday's sermon, Lord William, is the sin nature is basically the me, myself, and I, the syndrome, the unholy trinity. Okay, It's all about I, 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 I. Satan was the first one with the I problem. Mankind got infected with the I problem. God created us with the spirit, soul, and the body so that we can commune with him. He was the object of worship. We were to enjoy that with him. And for the first time when Adam and Eve fell, everything became I-centered, me-centered. Okay, now what's the number one virtue celebrating our society today? Me, I, pride, I, I, it's all about I, I, I. That's the very thing that caused the fall of Satan. You ever think about that? Okay, that's the thing that separated us from God. Okay, with that, so here's what happened. So now we got messed up, okay? This, we had a great relationship going with God, okay, but they blew it, inherited a sin nature, and this is the, yeah, people scream all the time when they think about that, too. It makes me scream, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway so signature that's the i problem it's all about i i i okay now this is the the rebellious part of us and the reason why it's rebellious is because instead of doing god's will which is always right always perfect we want to do our world which is i thinking me myself and i i uh, our will and so that's rebellion okay and so there's that issue so after the fall things got messed up okay now Uh, here's what happens when you become born again, okay? This is what he's talking about. You become a new creature, a new creation. Before you got saved, guys, uh, you had a spirit, but it's basically cut off from God, okay? It's basically shut down, if you will, okay? Your spirit nature. Your only input into your mind, your will, and emotions is this I factor, okay? It's all about me. It's all about I, okay? It's all about what I want to do, okay? But something radically changed the moment you got saved. You became born again. Now, the word born again is the Greek word uh, it mean, it's onothen, and it means born from above, okay, or born from a higher uh, place is literally what it means. And so, what happens is the Holy Spirit, God, comes down, bang, dwells uh, within the believer. Your spirit becomes alive again. This is why we said that when after you get saved, all of a sudden, spiritually, spiritual things are. Uh, makes sense now you want to read the bible you actually can start to understand the bible you want to pray right because why because this has now been reversed okay okay And, and so now you got communication you got intimacy you got a walk back like it was before the fall of mankind and you got that interaction going on with god okay christians are the only people on the planet who have that ability Anybody who's not a Christian is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. They do not have the Spirit, so they cannot understand spiritual things. right? They're spiritually dead. They're cut off from that. The Bible, of course, doesn't make sense to them. This is why when you're witnessing to a non-Christian, don't beat your head against the wall. Just pray and intercede because they don't know. Okay, they, they don't have the Spirit of God illuminating the Scriptures to them. They just don't have it. Okay, So just pray and intercede and trust that the Spirit of God between them and God Hopefully one day we'll give birth to that. Okay, so that's the good news. And so then that starts to reflect in your soul and your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, but here's where the battle starts. You still have to deal with that old booger of sin nature. Okay, the eye syndrome. So that's one thing that's different from Adam and Eve before the fall. They had the spirit, soul, and the body. Okay, things were cool. We've got a spirit that's alive now again, praise God. But we have a body still until we get to heaven with sin. So now, this is why Paul says there's a battle, there's a war going on in the mind of the believer. Why? Because you got two inputs going on now. See, a non-Christian only has one input, sin, all about I, 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 I. There's no conflict there, but the moment you get saved, here comes the conflict. Now remember, if you don't have a conflict, something's wrong. And remember, the whole premise of this, this is proof of evidence that you are, have the Holy Spirit. He is dwelling within you. Why is that important on our topic? Because if you have the Holy Spirit, you're a Christian. And that means you're saved because he's going to make sure that you get there. Okay, so now turn to Galatians chapter 5, and Paul tells us about this war, this new nature, this new man that we have become. Galatians chapter 5. And uh, Paul talks about this, okay? Now, as you turn there, let me explain to you a little bit what it means, okay, because many years as a Christian... Uh, I prayed to God. I I wanted to know this passage. I really wanted to know, what does this mean? Because to me, this was Christianese. Because what you're going to see here in this passage, guys, uh, if you're not already familiar with it, is Paul says the great news that if we walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit of God, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Anybody want that? Praise God, one person said yes. Okay? Anyway, but let's just go ahead and read it, and then I'll explain Here's what he says. Here's the war. Okay? Here's what he says. So I say to you, live by the spirit and you will what? You will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. That's what I just described to you. As a born again Christian, you're made alive spiritually. Okay. And so now the spirit is telling you, do this, do this, do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Right. You're getting input from God to walk and live in holiness. He's there to produce holiness, the Holy Spirit. Right. But what's in conflict with that? This guy down here, uh, 5, uh, oh, I'm sorry, 516. And uh, so here we have uh, the conflict from the sin nature. Okay, he's wanting to, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I want to do it my way. No, I, I, I. that's the conflict that, and, uh, that he's talking about there. I just wanted to draw it out for you on the diagram. Okay, he says there, he says they are in uh, contrary uh, to, with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts and religious regulations. The Holy Spirit will let you know uh, without a bunch of... Li- you know, I mean, when you guys are walking every day uh, with Jesus Christ, do you, do, do you have to stop every five minutes and go, hey, wait a second, here's an encounter. I'm not really sure what to do. Let me pull out my list that I've created over the years. No, I don't see it there. Nope. Oh, is that it? Oh, th- oh, there it is. Okay, that's what I'm going to... No, what happens? Uh, you have this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no law. He writes it in your heart, in your mind. He lets you know. This is why I've talked, I believe, before. I do not believe that there really are gray areas. And what I've learned is when people start talking about gray areas, okay, first of all, you have to say it like that, gray areas. Okay, for emphasis. Okay, now you're, now you're paying attention. Okay, so uh, gray areas is really, it's almost an excuse for, to, uh, to have an excuse for something they know they probably shouldn't be doing. Okay, that's really what I can, I, can we just cut to the chase? That's what I've learned over the years. Okay, but seriously, I don't even think that there are gray areas if somebody's being really genuine because I've learned that all you have to do is ask yourself two questions and instantaneously, the Spirit of God will give you the answer. There is, again, you walk by the Spirit, you don't need to be led by the law. He'll let you know. And all you gotta do is whatever the situation is, whatever the encounter is, whatever the question is, or should I or should I not do this, or should I go, should I do whatever, all you gotta do is ask yourself this, is this going to help or hinder my walk with Jesus Christ Or is this going to help or hinder my witness for Jesus Christ? You ask that Christian, I'll guarantee you, bang, if you're listening, the Holy Spirit will tell you instantly. It's just we don't either ask the questions or we just continue on, unfortunately, listen to the input of that guy. So that's what he says. But he said, now, how do you know if you're walking by the Spirit or walking by your flesh? Well, he draws it out for you. Well, if you're listening to this guy down here, the old man, remember, this is the new man up there. He says, it's obvious. Sexual immorality is going to be in, in your life. That's not from God. Uh, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions. Uh, notice what factions. Whoa. Hey, did churches ever have problems? Can I tell you where those problems come from? Christians have not learned to walk and live and keep in step of the spirit. Notice that what's lined up here with with, uh, witchcraft, you go, oh, witchcraft, sexual immorality, oh! What's listed right in there? All kinds of stuff, dissensions, jealousy, discord, fits of rage. That's right there along with witchcraft. But that's a sign you're not walking in the Spirit of God. He says, that. He says, uh, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and I warn you, as I uh, did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in other words, if that's your pattern of life, and there is no war, and there is no turnaround, and there is no difference, you're not a Christian, okay? I'm not saying we, we never don't stumble into those, but if that's your pattern of life, and there is no conflict, something's wrong. That's what Paul's saying. He says, but, okay? He says, I say, though, if you flip it around, you listen to the top guy, then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, he says it again, there's no law, okay? He says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature, the old guy. They don't listen to that guy no more, and his passions and desires. And so, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit Okay, etc., etc., etc. Now let me break it down for you even further. So I remember the first day it's like, Oh, okay. So that's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about in Galatians 5 about this conflict. And this is what it looks like. I became born again. What was happened at the Garden of Eden has now been reversed, except for I still have to deal with the sin nature. But this is the war because I got two inputs going on here. You know, yes, no, ah, eh, eh, You know, sometimes you feel like you got a split personality going on or something. Okay, but here's the point. So that's what it looks like. How then, therefore, was my question, do you walk, live, and keep in step with the Spirit? Because as a Christian, you should desire to be obedient to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, "If you love Jesus, you will obey Him." Okay, so a natural and so Paul tells me, "Hey, if I walk and live and keep in step with that, then it's obedience." I'm not. It's it's a holy life. So I'm going. How do you do it, right? Because that's great Christian ease. Yes, Ron. If you just walk in the Spirit of God, brother. Yes, you will never have fits of rage anymore or drunkenness. Or orgies. Yes, and on it goes, yes, Mary, you can stop that witchcraft anytime now if you just learn to live in the spirit of God, right? Now, doesn't that sound great? And you sit there and you go, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't have no idea how to do that. Okay, and so I'm like, I want to know. I don't want to just learn Christianese. I want to know what it means because I want that victory all right now let me let me break it down for you at least what i've learned okay now what does it mean to walk and live and keep in step okay keep in step i believe is a military term and it's basically uh it's kind of like a, a military term you guys should get this one it's in cadence right when one guy moves a step forward what do you do you move the same right and so and so as the holy spirit uh leads you you walk in cadence as he you know it's whatever and so you're constantly in that realm when he says yes you say yes sir how high sir Okay, and etc. But you're constantly aware. You're moving in cadence with him, keeping the step with him, walking, living him every single day. It's a, a deal. Now, how many guys have heard the old adage? You got two dogs. You got a white dog and a black dog. Okay, and uh, the issue is uh, they're in a dog fight. Okay, and let's make it interesting. Like we were on Sunday, we got two dogs. We got two nine-foot wiener dogs. All right, and they both have been done up really well by the plastic surgeons. Okay. <laughs> And you guys were there, you know the punchline, okay? But you got two of them there. I mean, so, hey, this ain't like the Russian dog. He's, he's going to lose, okay? This is two nine-foot uh, plastic surgeon alligator wiener dogs. For those of you listening or watching on tape, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but get last week's sermon and pray for God to intercede and give you wisdom. But anyway, <laughs> you got these two dogs, right? The nine-foot wiener dogs. Which one is going to win? It's a classic axiom. It's the one that you feed the most, Right? right? It's the same thing spiritually. How are you going to continue to walk and and, and be strong in the spirit of God? Well, it's the feed, the spirit of God. Now we're getting closer to the practical side of this aspect. Okay. So if you will, you got your black dog down here, the black nine foot wiener dog. You got your white one here representing purity. Okay. Nine foot wiener dog. And so if you feed this guy and you starve this guy, this guy is going to win every single time. Chump change, no battle at all. It's going to chew him up, spit him out. Right? Okay, now let me, let, me, let, let me break it down. How do you feed them? All right, well, here's why we do the Christian things we do, okay? One of the ways that you feed the spirit, you walk and live and keep in step, and uh, besides giving God praise like that, that's a good one. I didn't even have it on my list. You praise God, okay, and uh, you do that. But you also pray. That's a good thing for Christians to do. You also read the Bible. That's a good thing for Christians to do. Hey, you also have fellowship, and dare I need to put this term, uh, godly fellowship, okay, there's a difference, okay, a godly fellowship with their uh, witness, and you know, all the stuff that Christians are supposed to do. Well, you need to do that, not just because God said so, but that is encouraging to walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit. You're feeding this guy. You're feeding him. He's getting stronger and stronger and stronger, okay? Now, the problem is, uh, what I've learned with Christians is they'll finally get to this point where they'll start feeding the right dog, but they keep feeding this guy, and the way you feed this guy is just yourself. Remember, because that's the eye problem. Okay, or it's this wicked world system, right? You follow what the world says. Could be even uh, 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 Satan and the demons. You know, spiritual warfare, giving into things of that nature. And, and so, and so, if you do whatever you want to do, if you do what this world says to do, and all of its sin, if you give into temptation, all that stuff. Hey, you're feeding this guy. You understand? That's called walking in the flesh, right? Now, if you really want to experience the victory in Jesus Christ, it's not just finally getting around to feeding that guy. Because I've learned that many Christians, they're still stuck here. And they'll read the Bible in one hand, look at their lives in the other, going, what is going on here? How come I don't experience the victory? I'm born again, I love Jesus, but man, it's just, I'm just overwhelmed with sin. Well, which dog are you feeding, Right? And so stop this, stop feeding this. And so finally, Christians usually will they go, oh, yeah, i got to start doing this stuff without really understanding why you need to do this stuff spiritually. You're feeding this. You're learning to walk and live and keep and step in the spirit so that that dog can beat up this other guy. But the problem is, here's what I've learned. They finally get that going, but after a while, they get disgruntled. And the reason why they get disgruntled is because they don't really experience uh, as much victory as they were expecting. And the reason why is because they never did the right thing. They started to feed this guy, but they kept feeding this guy. And so they both had the same amount of strength, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? If you really want to pack jet fuel in your walk with Jesus Christ, then feed this guy (laughs) and at the same time starve this guy. Then, you talk about night and day, do you get it? You got to turn the one on and turn this guy off. That's when you're going to see a major mega difference. But the problem is the world's always there trying to get you to compromise, trying to give you a little little morsel. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, it's finally, you got this nasty nine-foot-long black wiener dog that's been bugging you for years, okay? And you've, you've been working hard at it. You've been feeding the right guy. You're starting to experience the victory. And you've been starving this big old giant wiener dog, uh, the, the black one, uh, for a good month now. And he's just about to croak. Wouldn't it be the dumbest thing to sit there and go, hey, buddy, want a steak? And then all of a sudden, he's going to start getting his strength back. And then here it starts all over again. You see what I'm saying? Well, maybe that'll kill it. Praise God. Let's start doing that. But anyway, (laughs) preach it, brother. (laughs) All right. So do you see that? That's the war. I wanted to give you a visual explanation of the war. Now, remember, I got said all that to get to the point. What are we talking about? Assurance of salvation. If you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, you're a Christian. Okay? And you are going to get there because He's God's deposit guarantee. But if you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be transformed. The first thing that's going to happen is you are going to become a new person. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to experience Galatians chapter 5. Sin is not as fun as it used to be. Now you feel guilty. Now you feel convicted. And then at the same time, all of a sudden, you want to come to Wednesday night Bible studies. You want to join in fellowship with other Christians. You want to study the Bible. Dare I even say you want to witness? If those interactions are not taking place, something's wrong. That's all part of having a transformed life. Let's continue on. He says he's given us a new nature, a new man. The Bible says in Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And in his letter to Colossians, he says, put on the new self. Now, now, now again, these passages should start popping out if you were paying attention to this visual, at least in my uh, personal opinion, okay, is that that's a great Christianese phrase. Haven't you ever had that? I mean, you've gone in for counseling faster. I just, you know, oh, man, I've been struggling with this. Well, brother, I tell you what, all you got to do is put on that new self. You put on that new self, and you'll just be walking in victory in no time. yee Right? And you walk out of that office, you're going, okay, what do you do? Just go out and put it on? What do you, how do you get it on? You, how do you, where do you, go to Walmart, pick up? What do you do, get a clone? Hopefully you had a twin, put them on your back? I mean, what, what do you mean put on yourself, right? It's Christianese, but this describes it for you. You got it? I want to break it down for you. You put on the new self. You feed this guy and starve this guy. Bang! Victory coming out of years, man. You're going to be empowered to walk like never before, but you got to feed the one, starve the other. Don't feed them both, okay? And certainly don't just feed the bad guy, Okay. Hey, that's, that's, that's not good. Okay, continue on. This is what he says. Put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. In other words, you're going to start looking like Jesus, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Jesus. You want to look like Jesus? Walk and live and keep in step with his Spirit. Feed it, okay? Feed him. It's not it uh, for that correction. At, at this verse indicates, this renewal has the end result of making us more like our Savior, okay? Listen, here it is. Our habits, our thoughts... And our actions begin to slowly but surely become more like Christ. This will result in, the first thing there, a new attitude towards sin. Okay? A new attitude towards sins. Our habits, our thoughts, and our actions. Now, let me just break down for you the process of temptation from this guy. Okay? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? Let me break it down one more step. Your mind is basically your thought life. What's going around your brain every single day. Okay? And uh, your will is your decisions that you make based upon the thoughts going through your brain, right? James chapter 1 tells us that temptation starts in the brain, in your thought. You're going along great. You're having a great time. You had a fun time talking about, once again, nine-foot-long wiener dogs. Twice in one week, you never dared dream that that could ever happen to you. But it did. And so you're leaving here on a great high. It's like, whoa, wow. You're having a great time. Next thing you know, you're driving down the road tonight. All of a sudden, bang, this thought comes to do some sin or think some sin, or just driving down the road, and you can see it on billboards, whatever. It's all over the place, right? That's how it starts, right? It starts right here, okay? And then your emotions are basically the feelings uh, based upon what you start to basically decide upon, okay? Now, here's the point with this. How does this guy entice you? Well, it starts here with the thoughts, okay? And again, it's just that simple. And at that point, uh, the Bible says you need to bring every thought captive and obedient to Christ. When that temptation comes, listen, guys, pay attention. This is very important. Uh, temptation is not sin. It's when you give in to the temptation is when it's sin. You're going to be tempted all the time in your brain. It's only when you use your will and decide, yes, I'm going to do that or follow that or be a part of that sin sin. Okay, and then you go down, your feelings are all messed up because you feel horrible, blah, 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 guilty, the Holy Spirit's convicting you. Okay, but the, here's the whole point. If you want to experience victory, if you want to learn to starve this guy really good, okay, don't deal with it as the after effects. No, 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 back up the train where it starts. You need to, Christian, pay attention to what goes into your brain, right? And we're not taught that. We're not taught that at all. We're taught to just think whatever you want to do. There's no control, whatever. And then we wonder why uh, uh, sin's having a heyday. We're not grabbing control of our thought life. Now, let me break it down for you one further step. All right, well, how do these things get into your brain? Sometimes it can happen through dreams. Sometimes it can be spiritual warfare, okay? But some of the practical things, I think we're our own worst enemy, okay, is two inputs the Bible talks about that starts to control and dictate your thought life. And that is through your eyes, what you allow through your eyes, and that is what you allow in through your ears is where temptation comes in. And I was telling one guy, he was having all kinds of uh, just immoral uh, problems. And just, he's, I just can't get these lustful thoughts out. It just, it just keeps coming back, and it keeps coming back. And I asked him the proverbial question that I learned. Okay, I says, uh, do you want to shut off mm, at least 80% of those lustful thoughts? And, oh, yeah, yeah. I says, all you got to do is one thing. One thing, man, 80%. I mean, Overnight. I'm not saying it's going to totally go away, but overnight, it's going to be gone. You know what you got to do? Shut the TV off. And you thought I was talking about the sacred cow. You thought that I said, hey, would you please go get your uh, 1982 El Camino and run over your grandma? Which I'm not recommending, by the way. Okay, I'm using hyperbole for an example. But it's like, what? It's like, yeah, shut it off. If you're having trouble thinking sinful thoughts, that's one of the most sinful inputs in the planet. And you, nobody made you. You turned that goofball thing on and kept looking at it. Uh, they're showing all this stuff going on. Uh, and you wonder why you go in bed at night. Uh, right? So it starts in your brain. Okay, you want to start this guy? Then pay attention to what goes into your eyes or your ears. Music's the same thing. Right? Say, well, I just listen you know, for the beat. No, you don't. You listen to the words. Well, I just listen to country. Really? Oh, that's great music. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to step on that one. Uh, excuse me? Like one guy said, he says, you know what happens when you uh, play country music backwards? You get your wife, your house, and your dog back. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, that's right. But anyway, so but it's like, excuse me? Oh, I, it's just country music. It's clean. Really? Excuse me? I, f- what? They're talking about uh, fornication. Uh, they're talking about and glamorizing uh, alcohol and drugs and sexual immorality. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, just because you can do this. That doesn't make it right okay uh it could be uh uh, i don't care what genre it is the point is i'm not being legalistic it's up to you you got liberty in christ but we're supposed to use that liberty to live a holy life in christ has nothing to do with legalism remember it's not about a law you're about following the holy spirit of god okay and so the point is how bad do you want it how bad do you want the white nine foot long wiener dog to win right you got to start this guy If you want it bad enough, you'll pay attention to what you put into your eyes and put in your ears. Okay, but listen again. The whole point is you're going to have this new attitude towards sin. Okay, there's going to be a struggle. Okay, you say, "Ah, ah," and if there is no struggle, something is seriously wrong because you cannot be the same if you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You will change. You have a trans uh, formed life let's continue on new attitude towards sin since i'm no longer a slave to sin uh to my old ways now again we saw the way out of that how do you want to walk in that victory no longer a slave remember i'm no longer a slave these people are a slave because they only have one input the i right that's a non-christian christians were no longer a slave because we have the holy spirit name one sin that jesus had to commit Zero is the correct answer. So if we have the spirit of Jesus Christ within us, empowering us, walking, living, and step with him, name one sin that we have to be a slave to. Now that'll preach, because there's a lot of people out there that think that uh, you're always going to be stuck with the sin. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Not what the Bible says. You just need to learn to walk and live and keep and step with the spirit. You will not. I didn't say this. God did. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, even that sin. The enemy doesn't want you to understand the victory we have in Christ, so you will be tricked into staying in that sin is the issue you just need to learn to do what paul says to do and that's what he says i now have the capacity is your next blank there the capacity to live a life of righteousness as i yield my life to god i gain victory over sin now again there's a christianese word Uh, you just need you just need to yield to the lord paulie don't you know just yield that's great what do you mean Right? And I'm, I'm breaking it down the Christianese because I don't know if me, was it just me when I would read these passages and go, what? How do you do that? That's great. That's it, but how do you do that? Okay? Well, that's what it means. Yield, yield, feed this guy. Can I break it down for you? Feed that guy. And I'm being redundant for a purpose because if you get this, guys, this is the way out of the mess. This is the way out of the mess. So, man, get this. This is practical Christianity 101. Okay, as I yield my life to God, I gain victory over sin because of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I can no longer feel comfortable with sin. Okay, it's his whole point there. Paul shows this very clearly in his own experience. Paul was experiencing this war. The classic passage, Romans 7, he says this, he says, for the good I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer doing it, but it's what? Where's that coming from? This guy, it's the old sin nature he's still battling. He wants to obey God. Yes, God, yes. Ah, why? Oh, how am I? Why? It's this guy. Okay? He says, it's the sin that is dwelling within me, the old sin nature. He says, if I do commit that which we do not wish, i.e. sin, the Holy Spirit is there to say absolutely nothing because we all know that once you get saved, there is no conflict, no, not whatsoever, and you could just go about your merry way and... Wrong version. Thank you. Uh, no, he's going to convict you. Okay, he's going to convict you. That's your new attitude towards sin. Until I confess it before the Father, and my peace and joy returns. Two things about the confession, uh, very quickly. Hopefully, famous last words uh, is that uh, number one. I was, I was on the East Coast one, and um, had a lady come up to me, and she had talked about uh, um, maybe we're reading a little bit too much into it, but whatever. She was like, you know, it was like a, it was like a big triumph. It's like you know, every day uh, when I get home you know, after, after all day long, you know, I'm just making sure that I go in my prayer closet and I'm confessing my sins to God. And I looked there and said, oh, that's, that's cool. I said, can I ask you one other question? Why did you wait until you got home? Because I don't know about you, I don't want to even go five seconds. When the Holy Spirit's convicting you, don't wait. Go find a corner. Hey, I've run into the bathroom before and got on my knees. God, please forgive me. You know, get, get, When he's convicting you, confess it. Don't stack it up. Because nine times out of ten, you ain't going to remember all of them by the time you get home. And and again, that's learning to walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit. You don't just shelve them. You don't just meet the Holy Spirit. You don't just walk and live with Him uh, in your prayer closet at, at the house. He's with you wherever you go. Enjoy it. Have a great time. If it convicts you, confess it, move on. Now, that's the thing. We need to move on. The enemy comes in there. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul clearly says, Romans chapter 8, but the Holy Spirit will convict you, okay? We are not condemned. We are no longer condemned, praise God. We are forever loved and accepted through Jesus Christ. We have all of our sins forgiven, past, present, and future. We're not condemned, but he will convict you when you get out of line, okay? Because he has a goal in mind, to conform you to the image of Christ, okay? And if it's unholy, he's going to let you know. So it's just a little practical tip, confess as he does it. Don't wait, just deal with it, okay? Hey, believe you. you'll have a much better day, Right. And just move on. If you blew it, get up and keep moving forward. The enemy wants you to stay stuck down. <laughs> you know, I'm poor. I can't go. No, confessing, get up and move forward. All right? You need to understand the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Okay, the second thing I want to say about confession is the classical thing. Have you guys ever thought about this? Hey, wait a second. If all of our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, then why do we even confess in the first place if they're already forgiven? Hmm. That's the importance of understanding. Uh, thanks for asking that, Kenny. Uh, that's the importance of understanding that we have a relationship with God, okay? And it's not for the sake of, uh, because I'd, I'd have a youth ask me this question before. Hey, Pastor Billy, what if I did some sin? They always come with hypothetical situations. Anybody ever work with youth? You know, what if I, okay, if I could do this, and if it was a Thursday and it was raining, and a catfish came flying by, and I saw that nine-foot wiener dog, would I go to hell? You know, I said, like, What? Okay, no, but this question actually was a real question, and it went something like this. Pastor Billy, if we, because we were driving him in the car, and said, what if, you mean to tell me if, if I did some sin right now, and, and you went in the ditch and hit a culvert and we all died, did I go to heaven? I said, well, let's back it up. How do you get to heaven? Well, it's, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive your sins and believe that God raised him from the dead. You know, he lived the perfect life and perfect sacrifice in our place, and you, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. okay. And so really, in essence, what were they asking? What, what, what about this confession thing, whatever? I said, well, I'm not saying that you, uh, uh, you need to understand. Confession, if you were to say that I have to confess all my sins before I can get to heaven, first of all, do we remember all of our sins? Do we even know all of our sins? No. So therefore, how can I confess all my sins? Plus, if you're going to think that and I have to confess all my sins before I can get to heaven, okay, then that makes it a work. Then you're working for your salvation, and it's not a works-based salvation; it's a gift from God. So, it's still, I said all that to get to this. Well, then, why do we confess? Well, thanks for asking, Ron. I'm glad you asked. It works well with my notes tonight. Uh, we do this just because It's because. I'll give you a relationship analogy: a father. How many of you guys, as a teenager, wrecked your dad's car? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that many? Man, you guys are bad drivers. No, I'm just yep. kidding. Okay, seriously? Whoa. Okay. All right now, now when you got home, okay, or if a parent, a parent here tonight, how many had children that wrecked your car? Yeah, didn't. Okay, praise God, we're getting more, more hands, okay. Uh, and uh, so now, when your kid got home, or you as the kid got home to the parent, okay, either scenario, what is it that mom or dad, whoever his car, it was, what did they want to hear from you? I'm sorry. Sorry. What are you doing at that point? You're confessing, right? Yeah. Right? Now, uh, uh, did, did that make sure that you were going to stay their child? No, they probably want to lay hands on you and stuff like that. Regardless, okay, that's, that's yeah. a given. Okay, but the act of confession did not maintain or make or break the fact that you were their child. No. It's a natural, normal thing in a loving relationship. You want them to own up to the behavior. They're always going to be their, your child. It's just the way it is, the facts. But for the sake of a relationship and having fellowship, you want them to confess and own up to it. The last thing you want is for them to breeze on by and say, Hey, yep, car smashed. I'm going to bed. How would that uh, help your fellowship as a family at that point? No, right? And so that's why we confess as Christians, not because we're trying to make sure all of our sins are out there uh, so that God, we can get them all forgiven. No, they've already been forgiven. We do it for the sake of a relationship. Let's continue on. Now, our actions and our character will also change, is what he's talking about here. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul discusses the battle that goes on between the old sinful nature, and this is what I spent the passage on here, and the new nature given us to by God. He says that these two are in opposition, and then he points out the key to the successful Christian life that's being led by the Spirit as I learn to yield my will to God. Okay, listen, led by the Spirit, yield to God, put on the new self. It's all that top portion there, feed the white nine-foot-long wiener dog. Okay, is what's going on there. Uh, As I learn to yield my will to God, he produces in me what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is funny, guys. Back in that passage there, in fact, he quotes it like, here, let's just go ahead and read it. As I grow as a Christian, I produce more of this fruit of a transformed life. uh, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, stop and think about that. That's the payoff. You ever think about that? Okay, that is the payoff. Why do I have to praise God? Why do I have to do that? I don't like singing. Why do I have to pray? I ain't got time for prayer. Why should I read the Bible? I don't want to tell someone about Jesus. Man, I don't like it. Why do I want to do that? Fellowship? I don't want to go out there on Wednesday night. I want to do blah, 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 blah. You know really what they're saying? Can I translate it for you? And, and a lot of it, I think, is just ignorance. Okay, and I don't mean that in a, a, a derogatory sense. Let me translate what they're saying. I don't want to have more joy. I don't want to have more peace. I don't want to be kind. I don't want to have the supernatural self-control. I don't want to blah, 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 Because that's what happens when you do that. Do you get it? How many times people Christians say, I just don't have the joy of the Lord? Which dog are you feeding? Yeah, the yeah, pre- preach it, Mary. That's awesome. Yeah. You're feeding the black dog. I just, I just. Oh, this is a classic one. Hey, whatever you do, Christian, whatever you do, don't pray for patience. Ah. Huh? <sighs> Right? Well, here's the deal. He will give it to you if you walk and live and keep and step the Spirit. That's the good news. It's not you trying to muster it up on your own strength. We've already demonstrated we can. Right? But here's the good news. You're no longer a slave to even that sin. Okay? If you walk and live and keep and step the Spirit. That's the payoff. And, and do, do you know, do, where do you think this comes from? Where do you think this, this mindset that all these things, every one of them is dry, stale, and boring? Where do you think that comes from? I will guarantee it's this guy down here, okay, who's wanting you to not feed that guy and keep feeding this guy. Because what happens is you won't have a transformed life. Oh, you'll be born again. Oh, you'll have the Holy Spirit of God. But can I tell you something? One of the greatest witnesses to the people, I dare I say here, even in Las Vegas, one of the greatest witnesses is a transformed life. And it's the classic axiom. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And they would rather see a Christian than read about one any day of the week. Do You see what I'm saying? They're watching you, okay? But when you walk and live and keep in step the spirit and you're living this transformed life, they're going, whoa, how and where do I get that kind of love? Where do, how in the world can you be at peace in the midst of these trials? I know what you're going through. How can, and speaking of which, where, how, where do you get this peace? I mean, haven't you seen the world? I mean, getting ready to go to war again, it looks like, and the economy's rotten and stuff. And where'd you? What, how, how do you get? The, I've seen the way those people treat you. How do you get so kind and patient? Why are you so good, man? I've been nasty to you. And then you're just you're, you're always doing kind things. Why are you so faithful? I mean, you're always there. You're the model Christian at the workplace, but you're always faithful to be there when people need you. Really? Why are you so? Those people were so mean, and you just turn the other cheek, and, and why is? I mean, we've roused you, we have tempted you so many times. Why don't you join us, man? Why don't you party? Join us in gossiping. Join us in slandering. Join us in blah, 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 and living like this world. But but you, you you just easily say no, no, thank you. Where do you get that self control? Well, I get it from Jesus, and I get it when I feed this dog because I've been born again by the Spirit of God, and I can walk in that victory. And can I tell you something? You can have that too. But it only happens when you become born again. Let me tell you how to do that. You see what I'm saying? That's what happens when you have a transformed life, guys. It's not only evidence that you're dwell with the Holy Spirit, which means you can be assured of your salvation, praise God. But it's one of the most profound ways that our society uh, needs to see jesus on display remember it's the holy spirit who starts to conform us to look like jesus but that comes when you do this so let's feed that large nine foot white wiener dog at sunrise i'm going to get an email for this one let's go ahead and pray well hi this is pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and hope you enjoyed today's study but before you go let me ask you one final question Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, Since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though He already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called His law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay? The, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission... That's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart you wish they were dead and in God's eyes it's the same thing in principle folks that's only just a couple of the 10 commandments we didn't even go through all of them but I think you're starting to get the picture the Bible is correct we have all fallen short of the glory of God myself included and that we are separated from God as a result and so when our time comes we're not automatically going to heaven we are headed for judgment we are headed for hell now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime Uh, they they cannot reverse it. The the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor,